Hey everyone, this is Ted O'Connell. Thank you for checking out the Med Prep to Go USMLE Step 3 podcast sample episodes. If you find that this audio content brings value to your studies, we encourage you to go to medpreptogo.com and check out the subscription podcast. You'll be able to see the entire content outline Dr. Raj Dasgupta and I put together, and you can subscribe if it looks like the audio content will help you succeed on USMLE Step 3. The podcast is completely ad-free and includes over 50 hours of high-yield material for the USMLE Step 3 exam. If you found this Step 3 podcast, there's a good chance you've listened to the Crush Step 1 or the USMLE Step 2 Secrets podcasts, you've used our free question bank, or you've listened to Dr. Raj's Beyond the Pearls podcast. We hope that whatever you've used in the past has helped you with your studies. As you may know, the goals of MedPrep to Go are to allow you to study on the go to get time back in your day and also to help cut the costs of medical education. We think we've priced the Step 3 podcast very competitively to bring you a great product while allowing us to cover the costs of putting this together and keep it hosted without ads. So thank you for checking this out and for your ongoing engagement with our content. In this section, we'll cover neoplasms of the nervous system, starting with brain tumors. Central nervous system tumors are the second most common tumors in children, secondary to leukemia. You want to be suspicious in this age group. In adults, two-thirds of primary tumors are supratentorial, whereas in children, two-thirds are infratentorial. In either group, Look for new onset seizures, neurologic deficits, or signs of intracranial hypertension, such as headache, blurred vision, papilledema, nausea, and projectile vomiting. In children, also look for hydrocephalus, which is manifested as an inappropriately increasing head circumference. And you also want to be suspicious in a child if there is new clumsiness, ataxia, a loss of developmental milestones, or a change in school performance or their personality. The most common primary type of central nervous system tumor in adults is glioma. Most gliomas are astrocytomas, which are intraparenchymal and have little or no calcification. The second most common types in adults is meningioma, which is often calcified and is external to the brain substance. In children, the most common types are cerebellar astrocytoma, which is a benign pilocytic astrocytoma, and medulloblastoma, followed by ependymoma. These are treated with surgical removal, if possible, followed by radiation and or chemotherapy, depending on the tumor. Lung cancer, breast cancer, and melanoma are the most common cancers that metastasize to the brain, and together they account for about 75% of all brain metastases. Metastatic cancer to the spine can cause spinal cord compression. Spinal cord compression causes local spinal pain and neurologic symptoms like reflex changes, weakness, sensory loss, paralysis, incontinence, and urinary retention.
In rare cases, it may be the first indication of a malignancy. The first step is to start high-dose corticosteroids and order an MRI scan of the spinal cord. Surgery, external beam radiation therapy, and stereotactic body radiotherapy are their treatment options for a tumor compressing the spinal cord. Prompt intervention is essential, and outcome is closely linked to pretreatment function. Spinal cord compression is usually defined as acute or subacute. Most cases of acute cord compression result from trauma, so you want to look for the appropriate history in the clinical vignette. Subacute compression is often due to metastatic disease, but may also result from a primary neoplasm, epidural or subdural abscess, or hematoma. In the case of a subdural or epidural abscess, in the clinical vignette, look for a history of diabetes, because this is kind of classic, and also think about Staphylococcus aureus as the uh, offending bug. And for a hematoma, you want to be looking for a history of a lumbar tap or an epidural or spinal anesthesia, particularly in a patient with a bleeding disorder or a patient who is on anticoagulation. Patients with spinal cord compression typically present with local spinal pain, especially in the case of bone metastases, and they present with neurologic deficits below the lesion. This may be seen with hyperreflexia, positive Babinski sign, weakness, and sensory loss. If a patient presents with subacute spinal compression, the first step is to give high-dose corticosteroids and order an MRI, which is preferred over CT scan. If the cause is cancer or a tumor, it's typically treated with local radiation if the metastases are from a known primary tumor that is radiosensitive. Surgical decompression can be used if the tumor is not radiosensitive. For a hematoma or subdural or epidural abscess, Surgery is indicated for decompression and drainage. As stated before, the prognosis is related most closely to pretreatment function. The longer the wait before this is treated, the worse the prognosis. If a child presents with cerebellar findings on the USMLE Step 3, there are a few things you want to be thinking about. One is a brain tumor, particularly cerebellar astrocytoma or medulloblastoma. You want to think about hydrocephalus presenting with an enlarging head in an infant less than six months. And you want to be thinking about Arnold Chiari or Dandy Walker malformation. Another thing to be thinking about in a child with cerebellar findings is Friedrich ataxia which starts between ages 5 and 15 years and is an autosomal recessive disease. On the vignette, look for areflexia, loss of vibration and position sense, and cardiomyopathy. And then finally, you want to think about ataxia telangiectasia. And with this, you want to look for progressive cerebellar ataxia, oculocutaneous telangiectasias, an immune deficiency. In adults with cerebellar findings, you want to think about alcohol abuse, brain tumor, 
ischemia, hemorrhage, and multiple sclerosis. If you are presented on the USMLE Step 3 with an adult with signs of cranial nerve 8 damage and increased intracranial pressure, think about an acoustic neuroma, especially in the setting of neurofibromatosis. There's often co-involvement of the facial nerve. If you're presented with a child with intracranial calcifications on skull radiographs, think about craniopharyngioma, which is a benign tumor that arises from remnants of the Rathke pouch and grows slowly from birth. And then finally, let's talk a bit about pituitary tumors. The classic physical finding that will be presented on the vignette is bitemporal hemianopsia caused by compression of the tumor on the optic chiasm. The first step in evaluation of this should be to order an MRI of the brain in any patient who presents with bitemporal hemianopsia. Patients may also have signs and symptoms of increased intracranial pressure. The most common type of pituitary tumor is a prolactinoma, which is associated with high prolactin levels, galacteria, and menstrual or sexual dysfunction. So if you see these on the vignette, you want to be thinking about getting an MRI to evaluate the pituitary gland. Other types of pituitary tumors may cause hyperthyroidism, Cushing disease, or acromegaly, or they may be non-functional, meaning they don't secrete hormones.